Oh, now, Brown. Oh, we're recording. Hey, Julie, we've got a brand new series to introduce today. I'm super <gasps> excited about this one. Me too. Tell me all about it. This one, like, seems obvious, and I think it just took us a long time to wrap our heads around that we should be doing this series. But one of the most common things that gets texted to a doctor friend is, I'm having some symptom. Mm -hmm. What do I do about it? Or why am I having it? And we've never really addressed symptoms. We've always addressed kind of bigger topics. And so we were sitting down and we said we should address symptoms. And we were trying to figure out what the series would be called and you're a genius. And you said it should be called a series on symptoms and that has a perfect acronym. What's our acronym? S O S. Yeah. Cause we're going to help you with your symptoms, you know? Mm-hmm. So what better symptom to start with than nausea and vomiting? Yes. Cause that symptom gross. sucks. I hate <laughs> it's, it. the gr- it's one of the grosser ones. Yeah. And it's the one that everybody texts about because who you can't feel like that. I, who, who's got time for that? Yeah. So, just some background on kind of like what we're going to be doing here. This series is going to be quick hitters. These are these are faster episodes. These are not the ones where we're bringing on an expert. We're going to be here 40 to 60 minutes. These are going to be shorter. Mm-hmm. We're going to uh, power through specific things about why you get the symptoms. What are the causes? Who gets it? How do you treat it? How do you feel better? And we're going to focus on all of the symptoms that we're all familiar with. Some of these are mild symptoms that we can power through, but occasionally these are symptoms that suck and knock us on our ass. So we want to give you answers. You wish Google delivered quickly, but some additional depth and some classic, you know, Dr. Friends flavor that you've already gathered in the first two minutes of this episode. So (laughs) with that, Julie, you ready to tackle some nausea and vomiting? That sounds disgusting. Welcome to your Dr. Friends, the show that teaches you to sniff out the garbage and answers all the questions that you wish you could call or text your doctor friend. My name's Julie Bruni. And I'm Jeremy Allen, and we are two physicians who work at a nationally ranked practice and take care of some of the world's greatest athletes. We know that you have questions, and we want to help. We want to be your doctor friends. Okay, so we're going to get into our first series on symptom SOS nausea and vomiting today. I want to put out a few disclaimers before we get started. As we always state, the content of the episode is not comprehensive. It's not intended to be used as medical advice. If you have medical concerns, if you're really concerned about some symptoms, you should contact your physician. With that behind us, we also will be covering acute symptoms. Many of these symptoms are things that could go on for a long time and become maybe something that has been going on a month, two months, three months, whatnot. That completely changes the conversation and is too much to cover in these episodes. We are talking about the ones that come on quickly and frankly, generally resolve within a week or two. All of these symptoms can exist in a larger chronic disease, which is important. But we would turn these episodes into full medical school courses, and we'd probably change the channel with you, frankly, if we were doing all of that. (laughs) So we're not doing it. All right. Let's get into some dinosaur calls. Um, What is it? What's nausea? Nausea is defined as an unpleasant sensation, to say the least, of being about to vomit. Well, I just rocked everybody's world with that definition. And it can, (laughs) this can occur alone. It's the same of being about to do something. (laughs) Gross. (laughs) <laughs> no, definition. It's when you feel like shit and you're about to yarf. Yeah. You guys ever listen to this podcast? Your doctor friends, they tell us awesome stuff like nausea is like you're about to throw up. Um, Marion Webster says. Yeah. <laughs> so this can occur alone or in conjunction with its close sibling, vomiting, defined as the forceful expulsion of gastric contents, which is visual but true. 
<laughs> Most people are pretty familiar with nausea vomiting. We decided to start with this one because everybody's had it and everybody hates it. It sucks. Let's talk about why it happens, Julie. Ugh, yes. So nausea is caused by a gastric rhythm disturbance. The electrical impulses through the muscle regions in the stomach usually occurs around three cycles per minute. In nausea, this usual frequency is disturbed. So in layman's terms, our stomach gets its automatic nerve impulses to squeeze and move the contents forward down the intestines. But when we're nauseous, these impulses happen more or less frequently than normal. So this helps explain why motion sickness can make us feel nauseous as the rotary, the rotational motion leads to more frequent impulses. You ever try to write out nauseous versus nauseated? I feel like I can uh, never spell nauseous, <laughs> so I just write nauseated because I don't know how to spell nauseous. And I'm a good speller. I, I get to that later in the episode, Julie. Oh, shit. I mean, sorry. Okay, keep going, Jeremy. No, I don't actually more. get... I definitely don't get to that later in the episode. I was not going to okay. tell our, our audience on how to spell nauseous or nauseated, <laughs> but I do like your commentary. Thank you. Okay, so vomiting on the other hand is a reflex so nausea is not something that is necessarily saving us or or is innate in our body but vomiting is and it generally is there to protect us from ingested toxins or poisons so mm -hmm. our predecessors many many generations ago often ingested on more of a trial and error basis and the reflex was a great example of a survival of the fittest you put something in your mouth wasn't supposed to go there and your body said send it back out before it killed you yeah so obviously that's not as much the case these days although maybe pertinent with children um mm. because they don't know what they're putting in their mouth but but generally speaking vomiting existed for a reason the reason it actually happens so the pathophysiology behind this is we have uh, a special nerves called the vagal nerves that go to the stomach and they connect to an area in our brain called the nucleus tractus solitarius. I'm not going to say it again. <laughs> so we're calling it the NTS, yes. but we have these nerves that connect the stomach to that area. And that area serves as like a central pattern generator for vomiting. The analogy I thought of here was like the vagal nerves are the coach sending signals to the NTS and the NTS is like the quarterback. So we have our coach, sending in a signal to the quarterback. And then the quarterback is the one that's distributing the vomiting processes to the rest of the brain to say, go ahead and do this thing. That was okay. how I thought about it. Yeah. The NTS sends signals to multiple areas in the brain, such as the hypothalamus, the limbic and cortical regions together and either stimulate or inhibit actually the vomiting reflex. Um, it's a complex thing. It, 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 it I, I've given you a broad overview. And I think to a certain extent, we actually don't know 100% the fine details of why it happens. But we do know that neurotransmitters are very involved in the process. So some of the ones that everybody's aware of are things like dopamine and serotonin. But there's also muscarinic neurotransmitters and then substance P. And so why does that matter? Well, later on, when we talk to you about how can we make you feel better, we may be able to target these neurotransmitters with, with medications. Perfect. Jeremy, are you down with substance P? <laughs> I definitely didn't think that that was coming, but I'm totally down with substance P. That was not the correct response. The correct response is, yeah, you know me. Let's try again. Jeremy, are you down with substance P? Yeah, you know me. There you go. There's my buddy. There's 90s tip up. All right. Can you tell me what causes nausea and vomiting specifically, Julie? Yes, there are a number of specific causes of nausea and vomiting. Of course, this is not an all-encompassing list, but in adults, 
some of these causes of acute nausea and vomiting could include infections like rotavirus or norovirus, quote unquote, food poisoning. These are preformed toxins. Um, so things like the Staph aureus enterotoxin that's uh, prevalent um, in dairy and eggs, produce, meat, and salads. Those are the ones, if you're thinking of like a barbecue on a warm day of stuff that's just like sitting out in like creamy salads. <laughs> um, uh, Bacillus cereus. Be serious. That's very cute. Um, <laughs> so like that's in starchy foods like rice. So a lot of times these come up on board exams where it'll be like, fried rice dish was served at a blah, blah, blah. And all these people got sick 12 hours later. What was the pathogen? So be serious is another one. Um, and then in like things like raw fish, there's parasites called nematodes, which is kind of adorable, but disgusting and terrible for you. Um, you can have medications that can cause nausea and vomiting. So a lot of times when people wake up from anesthesia, um, they yarf, um, they feel really nauseous and, and yucky from the anesthesia wearing off. Um, Clearly, chemotherapy and chemotherapeutic agents can uh, induce nausea and vomiting, uh, which sucks a lot. Um, people that are experiencing vestibular disease, so if they're having like vertigo or they're, they have a, an infection or a problem that's causing inflammation of their balance system in their inner ear, that can make them feel really gross and nauseous as well. Um, pregnancy is a big one. Um, and it's kind of, I don't know if we're, we're going to get into hyperemesis gravidarum, but uh, Princess Kate had that problem when she was pregnant and during one of her pregnancies, plagues a lot of people and sounds absolutely terrifying and awful. Um, and then uh, some migraine sim uh, syndromes can be associated with nausea and vomiting too. And that super sucks. That's we what we call insult to injury. Um, and kids, so again, infections are must are very, very common causes of this. So just your general run-of-the-mill gastroenteritis. Um, oftentimes there's stuff coming out the north end and the south end. So usually is associated with diarrhea too. You get similar bugs in adults. Um, so pharyngitis, particularly strep throat, um, and uh, ear infections, otitis media, and UTIs can also have nausea and vomiting associated with it in kids. So you don't always think about that. You think of your kid... Um, getting sick and having nausea and vomiting, it must be that they have a, a stomach bug, but it really can be a sign that they're just generally sick all over um, and they could have your, your upper respiratory infections too and just feel like crap and it makes them feel barfy. Um, you can get what's called, or kids can get what's called post-tussive emesis. Um, so this means they're coughing so much that they barf, um, which just breaks my heart when you see a poor little kid so sick that they're just coughing, coughing, coughing. And then it just makes them gag and barf. Um, and then certainly, you know, like ingestion of things that they shouldn't shouldn't be eating, shouldn't be going in their mouth. So chemicals or toxins or stuff that's that's bad for them can make them feel nauseous or vomit as well. So, okay, enough of the science talk. Um, now, what do we do with the, all these awful symptoms, Jeremy? Tell me what to do. Yeah, I definitely want to do that. I thought something that was interesting that you just said there that I want to comment on is I think when people think food poisoning, they think it's an infection. Um, yeah. and it, it isn't, it's a toxin that's already on the food. Um, and so it causes the vomiting really quickly, but you actually, that's why you feel better so much faster. So yeah, that's that, why that was like, interesting. Well, that stomach that. Bug where it's, yeah, it's not like a virus. It's this, it's this gross toxin that just sat on top of your creamy salad. Should I say creamy <laughs> salad some more? <laughs> I'm getting nauseous. Um, mm -hmm. 
Okay. Yeah. So what do we do about these uh, really awful, awful symptoms? Um, so I, I personally think that nausea and vomiting is one of the most common texts to a doctor friend. I don't know if that has been your experience, Julie. If yeah. people are going to get symptoms, I feel like this is one that just gets texted all the time. I think before we get really granular on some of the more medical aspects of it, the most important thing to establish is that the biggest consequence is dehydration, right? Yeah. So if you are vomiting, and frankly, if you have diarrhea associated even more so, you are losing volume, you are losing the liquids that are in your body. And if you can't replenish them, which many of us know that if we're nauseous and vomiting, we certainly don't want to be putting anything back in our body because um, it feels terrible. You can get really dehydrated and this is where you can get a lot of complications. So the first thing that I'm asking is the doctor listening to somebody or a friend or whatnot is like, what's the hydration status of the person? So how do you know? I, I the, the things that stand out to me for both adults and kids are like, how are their lips? How is their mouth? If they're like, my mouth is so dry, it feels like there's a desert in my mouth. You're pretty dehydrated. Mm -hmm. In kids, you can actually look at their lips, their chat, they, they will crack pretty quickly. Um, color of urine. So that's going to be more adults. Although I guess if you were following watching a kid pee, you could do that. But like, obviously, the darker your urine gets, usually the more dehydrated you are. And then energy level, we talked about, um, we'll talk about this a lot, I think, in our series of symptoms. If somebody just frankly looks incredibly just like lethargic. That's generally the sign that they're pretty dehydrated. Younger kids. So the ones that are probably not as verbal, right? The ones that are not telling mm -hmm. you I'm dehydrated or I'm thirsty or whatnot. Um, we're always told to kind of look at the number of wet diapers. So um, it's kind of why maybe when you had your child, people kept asking like how many wet diapers a day um, so that you know how many normal wet diapers there are. And so if your child usually has 10 a day and now it's down to three a day, like that's obviously not a good sign for hydration status. And then younger kids tend to get pretty lethargic pretty quickly when they're dehydrated. They tend to just be like floppy. They, they, they don't respond. They're really out of it. So um, just another sign to look for young kids. The thing I really want to emphasize here with hydration is that food is not important. I feel like everybody asks this mm -hmm. question, Julie. Don't you people are like, I can't eat anything. And you're like, I don't care. Don't eat anything. Just drink I don't want stuff. you to eat anything. Yes. You're just going to see it again in like five minutes. Yeah. Like, don't yeah. eat it. It just um, goes right through me. It comes yeah. right back up. I yes. eat eggs five times. We can go many, many days without food per se. Yeah. Uh -huh. And so don't worry about food. Liquids is where, you know, the money is here think smaller quantities. Mm -hmm. So don't chug something because you're really thirsty. That's going to startle that myoelectrical activity that Julie so eloquently talked about <laughs> earlier and make mm -hmm. it want to come back up. Small yeah. sips frequently, as frequently as possible. Water is usually fine. That's another question I feel like I get asked all the time, Julie, is like, do yeah. I need to go get Pedialyte or do I need to go get some of these rehydration stuff? Mm -hmm. In most cases where you're talking about not extreme dehydration or for prolonged periods of time, water's just fine. You're just trying to get some of the volume back that you've lost. Mm -hmm. Now, I will say in cases that are prolonged, which is usually not the text we're getting, I, I very rarely am getting a text like, I've been vomiting for like 18 hours. Like, what do I do now? Um, but in the case where like you have been prolonged vomiting and you don't need to go to the hospital, which we'll cover in a little bit, mm -hmm. electrolyte replacement drinks probably are reasonable and beneficial. Um, and yeah. there are ones like Pedialyte or other ones that are meant to kind of reflect the volume you're supposed to get in, but they usually taste like the ocean. Um, so they're not the most delicious things like Gatorade or, um, other types of, um, stuff tend to have a lot of sugar in them. So they mm -hmm. tend to actually not sit well in a nauseous stomach. So mm -hmm. I would tell you that drinking these are fine. Most of the time, the best thing to do is just water them down. Um, if you have kids, you can turn them into popsicles. That's sometimes fun to do. Um, yeah. and they can do that. So the last thing I want to hit on before, uh, Julie, uh, chimes back in with, um, some, 
you know, more specific treatments for this more than hydration is oral is better than IV. And I think most people don't think this, this comes up all the time where they're like, I need IV fluids. And we know from tons of studies at this point that your body does a better job of regulating how much fluid is in your body and how much fluid you're getting rid of by having it go into your GI system and down your Mm -hmm. bowels. It's a, Mm -hmm. it's a specialized computer for this. It's very good at it. And so if you can put fluids into your stomach and then down into your bowels, you will hydrate better and more efficiently and more effectively than if you get an IV fluid. So if we can, we try to make it so that you are not nauseous so that you can take oral fluids and we don't have to put anything in your veins. Good. All right, Julie, tell us, tell us, tell us about some of the more fancy stuff that we can do here. Yeah. So anybody who's been nauseous knows that it can be damn near impossible to take fluids without everything coming back up. Um, So that's where medications can really help. So these are, you know, to start off, these are things that you would get prescribed by someone who has prescribing uh, capabilities and powers and training. Um, So anti-emetic drugs. So I always love the term emesis. I feel like it's the least gross term for barf. For barf, yeah, <laughs> like, like vomit that. is a disgusting word. It's just gross coming. It coming. It it's, it almost sounds like an onomatopoeia, but it's not. But yeah. emesis is so pretty. Like instead of like a barf bowl in a hospital, it's called an emesis basin, and it just is so much more like oh, I'm just like Pleh. like yeah, it, com- it comes with demure. potpourri. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So anti-emetic drugs. There's things like prochlorperazine, metoclopramide, ondansetron. So they work on dopamine and serotonin, as we talked about above. So. Um, they, I can't remember if they block or they pump or they, they do something to dopamine and serotonin so that it regulates it better. So you don't feel so barfy. That sound about right. Yeah, it does. And I, I think everybody tends to have their, their favorite. I would say the vast majority, I, I, I don't know which one you use the most frequently, but if I'm prescribing, I'm most commonly giving on Dancitron, which is yeah, known as Zofran. Zofran. It's very well tolerated. Doesn't really have any side effects for the most part. Um, it certainly can conflict with other medications, but that's on us as the provider to make sure that we're not putting you in that situation. Um, but it also comes in dissolvable tablets, which is nice. Wait, are you down with ODT? I'm so down with ODT. You know me. There you go. Two times in one episode. (laughs) ODT means oral disintegrating tablet. And I love it. Yeah. So you don't have to put it in your stomach. It's great. And it works and it's super, super effective. So, um, as a doctor friend, I find that Zofran tends to be one of, one of, I get positive reviews, reviews on Yelp. For, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. Um, other stuff, uh, ginger, that's my go-to man. So ginger, there appears to be a re- uh, reliable and fairly notable decrease in nausea symptoms with one to three grams of ginger related to pregnancy and seasickness. Um, but there's not as much consensus on like post-operative nausea, but ginger is my go-to. Um, I love it. That's what I utilize if I'm feeling uh, yucky tummy. How do you take it? So, you know, anecdotally, the doctor friend right now is saying ginger yeah. helps her. Like, how do you, what do you usually do? Um, I usually, I have a couple different options. I'll have like ginger chews or like candy ginger that I'll suck on. That really feels really good. There's a little bit of sweetness to it. Sometimes I'll get ginger ale, although I don't think you get a very high content of ginger, but then that gives me a little bit of um, fluids. And then I, I like personally when I'm having nausea, I like the bubbliness. I like the, the carbonation to help me burp a little bit. I sometimes think that that can be that just makes me feel better. So ginger ale. Um, and then even just like sushi ginger. <laughs> so we keep a, like a, like a thing of it in the, in the, um, in the fridge, uh, that is like pickled ginger. I feel like it's not as harsh. Uh, um, but it, I feel like you get quite a bit and sometimes I'll suck on that a little bit too. Cool. Thanks. Yeah. 
Um, peppermint is also really helpful, um, which is funny because usually the um, the Ondansetron oral disintegrating, disintegrating tablets uh, taste pepperminty. And I think that's probably just an added flavoring, but maybe they're doing it because it's also a good anti-emetic. Double your uh, pleasure. Yeah, right. There appears to be interactions with peppermint as aromatherapy in reducing nausea. Uh, but the best evidence at this point in time is uh, mixed with some faults. Uh, more research is needed to see the potential role of peppermint aromatherapy in nausea reduction. Um, That's interesting. Then, they commented on it being a lot of yeah. aromatherapy versus like actually like consuming it. But, well, I just but... think that peppermint is difficult. I mean, like ginger and peppermint are both just very, very strong. Yeah. Um, and you're nauseous. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a lot. And I think like if you were going to take like peppermint oil, I feel like it almost like burns your mouth. Like ginger is kind of like spicy, you know? Totally. So, yeah. Um, and then in pregnancy, uh, there's utilization of B6 and uh, doxylamine or Unisom is the over-the-counter. Um, there's some evidence behind that, too. I don't know if you had more information about that, Jeremy. No, I think for a long time, um, even before some of these other medications um, mm -hmm. had um, approval in, in pregnant patients, there wasn't a lot a pregnant woman could do. And we all know that, especially in the first trimester, pregnant women can be pretty nauseous. Um, so yeah. um, the vitamin B6 um, and then the the Unisom, which actually um, is an antihistamine. So it actually has some uh, fatiguing qualities to it. So actually getting some sleep while you're in your first trimester of pregnancy and nauseous can also be nice too. So those are both safe and um, can be effective. I don't think they have much evidence in people who aren't pregnant. Yeah. I don't think they have much risk to taking them if you aren't pregnant, but I, I don't know if they have much evidence there. So, okay. um, you know, ultimately, I think if all else fails, um, you are going to probably end up needing to go to the ER for IV fluids and IV medication if you are just aren't able to keep anything down and you're getting dehydrated. Um, and that's the the time where we say you have to go to the ER. And frankly, this is the the, the second question we always get, Julie, is like, I don't want to go to the emergency room. So like, why do I do I have to go? Nobody wants to go. Yeah. And it always seems to happen in the middle of the night. There's long waits. It's just not fun. So people want to always know the answer to this question, Julie, when are you sending somebody for nausea and vomiting to the uh, emergency room? Yeah. I mean, if someone's vital signs don't look good or if their heart rate is, is really high, if you feel like, God, my, you know, like I'm tacking away, I can't, I feel like my heart's racing. Um, you know, if you're developing fever with that too. So just like that, that like, does this person just look sick? Or if it's me, like, do I just feel like absolute shit right now? And I've consistently felt that way and I just cannot keep anything down and I'm fatigued. Or if, you know, you're, if, if you're the bystander of the sick person and they're just not thinking clearly or they're slowed in their thinking and their mental status doesn't look good, if they're just really, you know, tired and sleepy and somnolent and they don't like the way they look, I think you get them checked out. And I think you can do so in the ED or in urgent care, whatever, you know, seems to make the most sense for the, for, you know, for your situation. Yeah, I think the thing about nausea and vomiting in acute situations where it's not associated with another condition mm -hmm. um, in terms of like a more serious condition is it turns around quickly. So yeah. I think, I think the important thing to understand is if somebody in front of you looks like shit and is looking, or you are that person and you are not in a good place, like going to that facility, like an emergency room, they will turn you around fast. Yeah. And so, well, I don't want to have to send you, you can 
precipitously decline. Like you right. could have be in a very, very bad situation quickly. And Julie and I have both treated this type of patient yeah. in the in the hospital where, you know, one minute it seems like they're nauseous and vomiting. The next minute, you know, you're kind of running a code on them. And I'm not trying to scare anybody here. Yeah. It's it, it's a rare situation. But the point being is if you're starting to notice that you are or the person you're taking care of is just not on this planet because they're changing their mental status or, yeah. you know, their heart rate's well over a hundred and it's been like that for a while and they can't take any oral fluids. And it's just, you know, it's a hurricane of nausea and vomiting. Like it's just not worth like sticking it out. Like they could just yeah. be better so much faster with the medications and IV fluids and, and that sort of thing. So I would have a short leash there to send them. Agreed. All right. We're wrapped up our first episode on our series on symptoms. Hopefully it was enjoyable for people. Um, if it was, like and subscribe and please leave comments or, or reach out to us. We're always looking for feedback. We're always looking to do fun new things. And this is one of those. And so uh, ultimately, Julie and I are trying to make decisions for you, but it's much easier when people reach out and say, you know, this is what we want to hear. Um, so whether it be another symptom or uh, uh, something about the format or or frankly, something else you want to listen to, reach out to us, uh, your doctor friends podcast at gmail.com or your underscore doctor underscore friends at Instagram. I thought Julie wrote a really nice outro for, for these uh, episodes that will be featured where she says our bodies are weird, they're wild wonderlands, and our symptoms are often little clues, puzzles that require some introspection and education to understand and respond effectively. So with our series on symptoms, I look forward to the next one. Julie, this was fun. Totally fun. Yeah. And if, uh, if you want us to cover one, just let us know, let us know what disgusting weird ass thing your body's doing and we'll explain it to you. <laughs> the amazing music is credited to skill cell with Pixabay licensure. The podcast is meant for educational and entertainment purposes only. The contents of this podcast should not be taken as medical advice to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others. Please consult a medical professional for any medical issues that you may be having. The contents of this podcast are the opinions of the hosts only and do not reflect the opinions of their employers or affiliations. This entire disclaimer also applies to any guests or contributors to the podcast. Under no circumstances shall Dr. Julie Bruni or Dr. Jeremy Allen or any guest to the podcast be responsible for damages arising from use of the podcast. Music.